Are you longing for real life change and lasting impact? And more to be, we believe that is possible through a fresh encounter with God and His Word. I'm Lisa Pulliam, the founder of More to Be, host of the More to Be podcast, and I'm here to help you think biblically and live transformed, to be more like Jesus as you seek to join God in His work every day. Welcome to the podcast today, everyone. I want you to welcome my friend, Kimberly Amici. She is here with us today for the first time on the podcast, and I've known Kim for a good bit of time. We met at a blogging conference years ago, uh, and then Kim has gone through my life coach training course, and I've worked with her in launching a particular project that I am super passionate, that Kim is passionate about, called the Family Culture Project. Kim has taken a portion of what we study and learn and train in in the life coach training course and has made an entire ministry uh, out of that because it's an overflow of what's happening in her natural uh, behind the scenes life with her family, living out culture in her family unit. So Kim, welcome to the podcast. How are you this morning? Good. Thank you so much for having me. This is so much fun. It's so fun that we get to see each other face to face after not doing that for a little bit. So Kim, I would love for you to tell our more to be tribe a little bit about yourself, your family, uh, the dynamics that kind of led to the family Mm -hmm. culture project. Mm -hmm. Okay. So um, I live with my husband, Carl, and we live right outside New, um, New York City in the New Jersey suburbs. I have three kids, ages 12, 14, and 16. Wow. So I have teenagers and a preteen. I have a drive. By the time you air this, I'm sure my daughter will be, be behind the wheel of a car. <laughs> okay. Okay. <The> extra um, <laughs> so we, have, we have been in the trenches um, and we are seeing the fruit of what, uh, what I did in the early years um, be it good or bad, be it, uh, not even things I did that I didn't even know mattered are are starting to show up in my family's life now. And so it's just been an amazing journey to see that and to learn from it and then to share what I've learned with others. Yeah. So, um, about four years ago now, I guess four, almost five years ago, I signed up for a life coach. Um, and that was my birthday present, my 40th birthday present for myself, because I was really at a point where I was trying to actually figure out who I was online. I had a blog. I wanted to do a podcast. I was working in a, on a community blog with other women. And I just felt like I did a lot of things, but not any one particular thing. Well, and I really Mm. wanted someone to sort of like, tell me who I was. Mm. And what happened was two year process of me figuring out my values, what I stood for, what I believed, who I wanted to be. And out of that really came the one thing that I wanted to pursue, which was really digging into family culture. Mm. Um, At the time, you know, my family was all over the place. It was basically juggling busy schedules, you know, running hard after the life that we wanted, you know, the white picket fence with the kids and the community and the volunteering and the sports and the church and, and just making everything work. And, but it was overwhelming and it was exhausting and there was burnout. And, and I finally said, you know, I want to figure this out. I want to, I want our values to show up in our life. I want us, you know, my husband and me to get on the same page. And even though I think in so many areas we were on the same page, we really didn't have a plan for how we were making the things that were important to us show up in our life. So I said, let's create a family mission statement. And that's when we started to dig into okay, let's, let's, what is our family known for? What are we, what are we about? And what I learned was that it's great to have a mission statement, but there's, there's stuff that goes beyond the mission statement. So, um, you know, a mission statement is about who you want to be as a family, but we had to then go to the next level and figure out how we wanted to live that out. Mm-hmm. That same mission statement could look, could be, you know, everybody's going to have a different mission statement, but that same mission statement for for somebody else could look completely different. So I had to go in order for that mission statement to actually see fruit in my life. It had to be more than just a poster on my wall. It, I had to figure out what does it mean to be creative? What does it mean to have integrity? What does it mean to do things in excellence? And so we started to figure that out. Like, what did that mean? Me and my husband, what did that mean to us? And how did we want to see that lived out in our family? And then, you know, really what 
spurred us onto this was learning about how organizations and ministries and businesses created their mission statements and then ultimately their culture of their organization. And so we started to learn that there were things that we needed to figure out, like, Mm -hmm. you know, what are the practices? Um, What, how do we talk to each other? Um, What are the things we will and we will not accept? And like, you know, these are all things that a company figures out, but like, what if we were to do the same for our family? Right. And so that we really got excited about exploring that and figuring out ways to do that for ourselves and then sharing that with others. That is just awesome. Everything that you're saying, you know, completely resonates with me. Uh, I think in some ways we're just wired with that kind of intentionality. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's, it sort of comes second nature and mm-hmm. I, it became second nature for us as a family from, from the time that Leah was a baby uh, she was maybe like nine months old, uh, sitting up uh, and, and starting to toddle, toddle enough to be able to take a toy away from one of her friends. Mm-hmm. And we were really close with this other family who had a son that was about the same age as Leah. And, and the mom said to the, Leah and this little boy, Caleb, uh, uh-uh, guys, people are more important than things. And, and so if they were ever fighting over a toy, I mean, they were essentially siblings because they were so close in age and we spent so mm-hmm. much time together and there were no other siblings because they were the oldest. Yeah. Um, this culture was being set of people are more important than things. Mm-hmm. And, and so they, if they were fighting over a toy, the toy went away mm-hmm. because the toy was not more important than each of them. Yeah. And that was really, I think for me, the, the marker of setting some culture in our family, that this Mm -hmm. is a mantra that we will live by. And Mm -hmm. it has played out over the last 20 years Mm -hmm. in terms of if somebody calls and there's a problem and they need help, it doesn't matter what thing we're doing. People are more important than things. Yeah. If there's a squabble between the kids when they were little, the thing went away and people are more important than things. If it Mm -hmm. was about going out to a movie spontaneously and leaving the house with unfolded laundry and dishes in the sink. That was okay because people are more important than things. <laughs> and yeah. so this, this became just one aspect of our culture that we didn't know we were creating. Mm-hmm. It, it just happened. And so I, you know, there, there might be some of our listeners who are like, Oh no, I didn't do this or I didn't have a mission statement or I didn't have yeah. these specific goals. Well, chances are you had some of this. Yes. You just didn't recognize it because it was so inherent mm-hmm. to who you are. Would you, yeah. would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. And, and when I work with people, the first thing I say is, well, let's look at what you're already doing. Yes. That what, what, what do you already have in place? That is culture. And then we want to go a step further and then say, what are the things that you'd like to do that you're just not doing? So yeah. an example, um, that I have like yours is that when the kids were really little, I read, I don't know, one of those baby books, probably baby wise that basically said that, um, when you sit down and have meals with your babies, you're teaching them not only how you're not only feeding them, but you're teaching them the skill of eating with other people and sitting down and eating. And so when I, you know, had a, you know, my kids are so close in age. When I had a two-year-old and a newborn, I would put my two-year-old in the high chair and I would sit at the table with her. And then when I had a, you know, a one and a three-year-old, I was doing the same. And then when I had, you know, a one-year-old, a three-year-old and a five-year-old, I was still doing the same because my husband worked. Yeah. You know, he has, so like, you know, we live in the, the, my husband works in the city. So that means that even if he leaves at five, he's not getting home till seven because the commute, the train, the whole like commuting life. And so I would have dinner every night with the kids and every, and lunch every day with the kids. And so I, the last thing I wanted to do was sort of like feed the kids while they're sitting in their high chair or like throw food at them while I'm cleaning up and then put them to bed and then sit down by myself and eat. And so I was not only feeding them, but I was teaching them to be social and we were eating together. And so as they got older, it didn't even occur to them not first, not to all sit down and eat together. Yeah. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, and absolutely. So, um, so that is a way that we created culture without us really even knowing it. And so as I get into the teen years and lots of my um, children's friends don't get the opportunity to sit down with their families because they're busy because they're going in different directions, we sit down. And when we don't sit down, they're like, what? 
what's going on? Like, why, why aren't we sitting down? And I'm like, I just want the night off. <laughs> Help yourself. Um, but yeah, you, you don't realize that you have culture in your home sometimes, like you said earlier, until you start to see the contrast in other yes. families or in other friends. And there's no, there's no culture that's right. So this isn't meant to compare yourself to other people so that you can say, well, I've, I'm doing it better than you. Yeah, it's right. Recognize, hey, this is something that we do. This is something that we've enforced. These are the small steps that we've taken over time that now produce this result in our life. And this is what is expected. And this is what we embrace together. Yeah. So yeah. dinner is definitely one of those things. That's interesting. Um, there's, an, there's another example that I could add to that, which if I could go back maybe I would have done it differently. Mm-hmm. We, uh, and I might've shared this on the podcast before. So if I did, please forgive me to anybody who's listening <laughs> to this again, but we were, we were driving home from a, a, a music concert and the kids were, they had to attend maybe because one was in choir at the time and they were commenting on a number of their friends who had uh, like recital moments. They had solo performances and the excellency at which they performed. Mm-hmm. And, and I said, well, you know, that is evidence of years of practice and devotion and discipline. Mm-hmm. And, and I said, you know, I'm kind of sorry that I never made you guys stick with an instrument, stick with the music. You know, mm-hmm. I never, I never wanted to engage in the conflict of you must practice. And part of it was that it was also not my skill set mm-hmm. or my gifting. So I could not help them at a certain point. I would not be able to help them progress personally because I didn't yeah. have that gifting. Yeah. And, and then one of, one of the kids, it might've been my oldest said, well, mom, you know, we might not have majored on a particular discipline, like a sport or a art or a music talent, but we've majored on uh, relationships with each other. Mm-hmm. And I was like, huh. And, and here, here's why it stood out because they were in a new school in a new setting. And we were getting a lot of commentary from the faculty members that were watching them who would say, I can't believe the type of relationship your, your children have with each other. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what do you mean? That's the way it's supposed to be. Like sometimes yeah. we call it pulling a worldview. Like, <laughs> is there any other option than that? And you yeah. know, that this is the way that they should treat each other in public and, and hopefully an overflow of what's happening behind the scenes at home. Mm-hmm. And, and truth be told, that's an area of life that I majored on with them because yeah. I came from an abusive home and there was always conflict mm-hmm. that I was hyper vigilant about how we treat each other. And if anything else was going to put too much pressure on us as a family that would compromise the relationship connection, mm-hmm. it, it didn't get it, 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 it didn't get a priority. It didn't get the trump card. That was mm-hmm. out relationship was in. Yeah. And I think that I'm glad for that at this point in the kids' lives because I see their relationships as being so, so healthy with each other and will last the long haul. Mm-hmm. But I also feel bad because I think they have some talents that were not spurred on because I yeah. couldn't do it all. I couldn't, I couldn't um, create multiple cultures at the same time, multiple priorities. And I have to live in that grace place of like, Mm -hmm. I did what God had called me to do in that season for this time. And it yielded this fruit and that looks good Mm -hmm. for our family. Yeah. And and so there's always this, like when we have this culture conversation, there's always, uh, I feel like a spotlight on what went well. And also a little bit of a spotlight on, Oh, if I knew now. Yeah. (laughs) what would I have done differently? And the goal isn't to end up in condemnation, right? The goal I really think is to end up in gratitude for the pieces that were positive mm-hmm. with an acknowledgement of why. Yeah. And, and so with that, let me say this, that one of the things I teach in the coach training course is that your values can and should change over time. Mm-hmm. And your values are influenced based on your experiences and what you've been taught. Mm-hmm. So my experience of coming out of an abusive home shaped my values for peace in my adult home. Mm-hmm. Uh, for somebody else, that may not be a, an issue. And so it's always good to say, not only this is important to me, but why is this important to me? And oh, does this day important to me? Mm-hmm. So yeah. did you, have you seen any of that in your life where you had one set of values, but your values have shifted and that has changed culture. 
Well, I think for us, it's not, I haven't seen our values shift as much as I've seen how we've lived them out have shifted. Oh, okay. So what what they've looked like early on looks completely different um, than maybe how, how they, those practices look now. Um, I'm trying to think of, um, like, this isn't a personal example, but it's what comes to mind really quickly. So if you think, um, when you think of success early on in your career before you have children mm-hmm. and success is really important to you, um, for whatever reason, if you came from a home, like you're the first to graduate college and you're the first to like have a professional, you know, job, um, to, to, to have a job in the field you want and success looks very different in the early years when you have no kids, then you get married, then you have children. Success may change how that yeah. looks in your life may change. Yeah. Um, so maybe the value is still there, but you've redefined how it looks like. And maybe yeah. it looks like more like work-life balance. Maybe it looks like success to you is now not having you know, the corporate job where you go into the, you know, you commute, but that you, you're working from home so that you have flexibility with your children so that you can volunteer at this organization. Like it can look very, very different at yeah. different stages of your life. And so when I think of how we've lived out, um, you know, like creativity or excellence, I know that like, I feel like when I was younger, excellence looked <laughs> a lot more like rigid and performance oriented. And now excellence to me looks like, really being thoughtful about how you do it. Yes. So we're not so worried about the execution, but we're saying, wow, you really took ownership of this. You know, um, you gave a hundred percent, maybe it like wasn't perfect, but that's yeah. okay. So I feel like race has probably changed a lot of the way we live out our values. Oh, that's excellent. Which grace I feel like is something that becomes as we mature spiritually, our mm-hmm. comprehension of what grace is, looks different. Yeah. And so if we are maturing spiritually, which I think we are in our journey of faith, there should be growth mm-hmm. each, each phase of our life. Mm-hmm. Then that would, in, that would change how we respond to things. Yeah. yeah. I had a moment like that with um, Abby just the other day, we we're having a family barbecue. We had friends over and uh, I asked Luke and his buddy, if they would grab the food from the table and bring it inside on their way through the house. Mm-hmm. And so I said, Luke, can you grab the food? And he's like, but we're going inside to play. And I said, that's okay. You're going to go get the food and then you're going to go inside and, mm-hmm. and continue on. And he looked at me, he's like, okay. And they went up and they got the food and then they went inside. And Abby, who's now 17 turned to me and she said, she goes, Oh my word, mom. I was like, what? <laughs> she goes, you would never have let us get away with that to say no, that we're doing something else. I was like, what? And she goes, you would have given a look and be like now and you're in yeah. trouble. Yeah. And I was like, hmm, yeah, maybe she's right. Uh, yeah. But I was like, he didn't give me an attitude. He wasn't disrespectful. He was informing mm-hmm. me of what his plan mm-hmm. was. Mm-hmm. And when I, when I corrected him and said, nope, you're going to go get that now. I didn't get any flack attitude or anything. Yeah. And so he yeah. went and did it and did it. And so, uh, how I've parented has changed. Yeah. And I, I you know, is that a, is that a culture? Is that a value? I, yes, maybe. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe it's, it's just learning I, best practices. You know, like, I mean, I've, I've even said to my oldest, I'm like, I'm going to get things wrong with you because you're my first, like, I I, I'm just going to be honest with you. Like, I don't, there are things that I didn't get right with you that I'm getting right with your sister. And I just am asking you in advance for your grace and your forgiveness. Right. Right. And each child everything. Oh, Oh, absolutely. And so, you know, we deal with that sometimes with our, our middle and, um, you know, she, she consistently says like, Oh, you, you think they're your favorites and I'm not, I'm like, no, I just, I, I I parent you different because you're a different person. And and the way that I deal with the obstacles that we're coming up against is so different because maybe I don't have the same obstacles with your sister and I I have a different situation with your brother and you cannot compare um, our relationship, but here's where culture comes in. If I, if I seek unity in everything that I do yeah, and that's the goal, it may look different for each of them, but I'm still chasing that value. I'm still yeah. chasing what's important to me. Yeah. And so to get kind of hung up on everything has to look the same for everybody every time, like it's just, it's not going to happen and you're yeah. going to end up um, making poor choices that way. Right. Right. 
you know, values really are your why. And when you can drill down onto the why you're doing what you're doing, yeah, it clarifies for you what it is that you're going to do. So mm. for us, you know, I see the times that we've traveled have really served, served as huge connect, connection points for our children or really bringing them back together. So for several yeah. years in a row, we would like, especially like two years ago, I just felt like the kids were just getting at each other. It was just like, they weren't really getting long. And we went on vacation and over the course of those 10 days, I just saw them reconnect and start having fun together and spending time together. And we came back and I want to say it was like a new family. It wasn't perfect, but it it made a huge difference. Like they reconnected with one another. And so we've been really mindful, um, to try to space out what we do. So maybe it's a, a long weekend here. Maybe it's just, um, you know, spending, even if it's just a day trip, like what can we do to consistently having a reconnection point? So it's remember that they enjoy each other. And like you said, um, is it really travel that does that for you? Or can you find another way to do it? If you're not so passionate or you're not, so it's not your thing or, you know, like what is the why and then become creative about how it manifests and it's what. That is awesome. And it's also the thing that makes me like, us eat peanut butter and jelly and beans and rice in the weeks leading up to our vacation because <laughs> that's yeah. what we're doing. Like we know why we're doing this and you know, we're on a tight budget now because we're going on a vacation this summer and my son wanted a few things and I was like, well, we're taking this vacation. And to be honest with you, I think we should really focus on what we need and not what we want because we're able to do this. Yes. And so the, the, the words that we're using, the conversations that we're having is always pointing towards the why so that we that our kids don't feel like we're keeping something from them. Cause I never want to say, well, we don't have the money and why do you want to spend all this money? Because that, that does nothing for yeah. them. Um, yeah. And I'm tempted to do that when they ask me a 10th time for another pair of sneakers that they don't need because they have two others and they're never outgrown them. And you know, my husband, my son loves shoes and <laughs> you know, I'm tempted to just be like, what don't you understand? But I kept to consistently um, say to him, this is why we're not spending money right now on this because we're doing this. And this is why we're doing this. And then he can get on board with that and he can be like, all right, I get it. I get it. You're right. You're right. It's going to be so much fun. Right. Um, And that builds culture. The conversations that we have around what we're doing. Yeah. Builds culture too. Absolutely. And you know, he might grow up and say, shoes are more important to me than vacations. Yeah. (laughs) And that's where he'll put his time and his money. Mm -hmm. And so we have to kind of give our growing kids the freedom to make Mm -hmm. their own choices and, and decide what they want to do. It's that, you know, I'm, I'm the mom of all teenagers for just a couple more months here. And so it's that transition. It's much harder to Mm -hmm. establish culture when they're older. Mm -hmm than when they're younger, because when they're younger, we're the only voice. Yeah. And it's, it's just, that's the tone when they're older. It is where do they have the right to share their opinion and choose mm-hmm. a different option? And I don't have the answers to that yet. Cause I'm still yeah. learning. I'm learning as I go with, uh, when do I say, Nope, you have to be present versus no, you have, you have this choice now. This is part of becoming a young adult and moving into your own way of doing it. And so I love that you're educating your son on Mm -hmm. the why Mm -hmm. and yet understanding that he could or could not come on board with that, but that doesn't mean you have to change why. Yeah. And we consistently, we do a family retreat every year where we we treat it like a 360 peer review that they would have in an organization where everyone gets to like rate and rank one another and really give everybody, give each other open and honest feedback about how we're doing as a family, whether it has to do with character traits or whether it has to do with following the mission that we've set out for our family. Wow. And we, what I love about it is we always keep the conversation going about like what do you want to be known for? I mean, we sat down and we initially had this conversation when the kids were younger, when we first sort of got on this, this family culture train and we were actually out at Chipotle. And I said to the kids, because I was trying to test this out, right. To see if my kids, and they were young at the time. I was like, okay, so when you think of Chipotle, what do you think of? And they're like, you know, fresh food, whatever, whatever the slogan is. Right. And then I said, well, like when I say I'm going to Michael's, what do you think I'm going to buy? 
and they were able to list the things, right? So they knew what you would, you know, they started to identify culture and brands and this whole idea of, you know, when you go to Staples, you know what you're going to get. When you go to Chipotle, you know what you're going to get and like Mm -hmm. understanding that, right? So when you come to our family, what are you going to get when we Mm -hmm. go? And then I started to like name families that we know. So, you know, our neighbor across the street, what do you think of when you think of her and they're like, Oh my gosh, she has the best snacks. And like, every time we go over, it's so fun. Cause she does this and she does that. And like, they know that they can count on that from her. Right. Yeah. And so we shared as parents, we shared what we wanted our culture to be like. And then we did open the conversation up to them and say, well, what do you, what would you like to add to our culture? What would you like our family to be known for? And so I feel like even as our kids get older, We've chosen elements of our culture that we will hold on to. And then Mm -hmm. as the kids get older, if they'd like to add to that, then we're Mm -hmm. like, let's, let's explore that. And, and let's embrace that. Um, I could be wrong because I still have youngish, youngest teenagers, but I don't Mm -hmm. see us changing our culture to adapt to them. I see them adding and improving our culture. That's and awesome. I, and I think that you would find that most times in really successful companies is that, um, you know, nobody's going to come into a Zappos and change the culture that's there, but their employees yeah. are going to come. They're going to bring their own um, creativity and personality, and they're going to add to that culture. Right. right. And so I feel exactly. like the same with us, you know, we can start to like, I didn't think we would ever be a huge soccer family and we are right. So that's something that the kids brought to our culture because of their love of the sport. And so they've been able to help us steer the direction of our culture, but how we live it out and the main things that are important to me and my husband, those aren't going to change. It's just going to be improved. So what do you do in a situation if you're a single mom or you have a husband who doesn't have a Mm buy-in on this like need for setting culture? What what Mm -hmm. would you say to that mom right now? So, you know, when I, when my kids were little, I would say up until they were, um, I don't know, maybe my oldest was eight and maybe that's a little generous, but my husband worked really, really long hours and I was, I was running the show. Like I was the one who was in the trenches, especially when they were super, super little. And I was able to put things in place on a consistent basis. And I didn't, for lack of a better, I don't know a better way to say it, but I didn't need anybody else to help me do small things over time that were important to me that I wanted to pass on to my kids. Mm. And, and I, I didn't, there's a lot of things that I've wanted to do with my kids over the years that I didn't necessarily have my husband on board with. He wasn't fighting against me on them, mm. but mm. he does, he, he wasn't like enhancing them by any, by any means. Yeah. Um, and, but I just continued to do what was important to me. I just continued to identify the things that he would support. Yeah. Um, even if I had to be the one to, to make it happen, yeah. I had to be willing to make it happen. And I, I did have points in my life where I was so angry with him that I was doing this on my own and that, you know, he wasn't making this happen. And we weren't having these family devotionals at the table where we were reciting our memory verses to each other every Friday. Like, and I had to say, okay, I got to let that go. Like, what yeah. am I willing to do to, um, what am I willing to do with my children in this area that I can do on my own, that I can be consistent with, that I can do well and let go of the fact that, you know, we're not the perfect family doing this in the perfect way. Like we see on online or on Instagram that other families are doing. And so I think there's an incredible amount of power we have in the time that we're with our children. I know some families are only, you know, with their children you know, every other week or occasionally, but there are things that you can put into practice that, um, can really have a big impact. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's well put. I think that, you know, there is no, there is no perfect family and there's no perfect way to carry this out. And I think mm-hmm. even if you're single and you don't have children, uh, you have your own values. Mm-hmm of how you're living them out and, and they're not being pressed upon necessarily by any other individual, but they may be pressed upon by your work, by your yeah. church, by the people that you're doing life with. Yeah. And, and you'll have to adjust and tweak as you go along of how is this going to live out over, over time. That same dynamic happens when you're a parent and you've got littles versus middles mm-hmm. versus bigs. Mm-hmm. And then that happens if you're just a couple 
Mm-hmm. And you've got two independent value systems coming together. Mm-hmm. And now you have to figure out, well, what's important to us and how are we going to live it out? And when, mm-hmm. when we teach about values in the coach training class, I always say it's the silent partner. It is why we do what we do, even if we don't know the why. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when you have two values that are in conflict with each other, finding a third value to find the compromise is mm-hmm. a, is a great solution place. Mm-hmm. So that takes time. It takes reflection, it takes thoughtfulness. Yeah. So that's some of what I know you've built into your family culture project course, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah. This kind of working it through and identifying it. Yeah. And I think that, um, you know, there are things, my husband and I, there was a lot of things that we collectively shared in terms of like values or passions or what we wanted our family to stand for. But then there were things that I were on my list that weren't on his and his things weren't on mine. And honestly, there were things that I was like, why do we need that? You know, and he was like the same with me, but, um, we were able to compromise and say, okay, I can get behind that and I can get behind that. And then there were things that I'm like, this can just be important to you. It doesn't need to be important to us and mm-hmm. vice versa. You know, um, mm-hmm. I can't think of any concrete examples now because we've probably let a few of those things fall away. Um, yeah. But we've shifted our focus to what we can get on the same page about um, rather than what we're, we don't, we don't agree with, or we yeah. don't, I shouldn't say not agree with, but just don't value as highly. Yeah. Yeah, you know? absolutely. I mean, one of our points of conflict in our family for years maybe forever until recently, <laughs> uh, is, is Stephen has a very high value for staying out of debt, which I, I mentioned, and it's mm-hmm. become my value, mm-hmm. not it be, it's become my value because I val- value the, um, peace in our marriage. Mm, yeah. And so peace and having a sense of emotional security and safety with each other is more mm. important than using financial resources to get what I want and causing yeah. conflict. Mm-hmm. And so the the neat thing is we kind of shift this into scripture and and where does God fit into this whole picture of values is that I mean that it, that's a biblical value. Mm-hmm. Ephesians 5:21 says submit one to another as unto Christ. Mm-hmm. And so that is the guiding value of my marriage. That's the foundational mm-hmm. um, piece that we both shall submit one to another as unto Christ. Mm-hmm. And then as an overflow of that, okay, so here's the submission. We are, we are respecting and considering each other's needs. Uh, you know, one thing I could not do was go buy a horse or go on trail rides every time he goes fishing mm-hmm. because my trail ride is a $50 expense and his fishing trip is, you know, three bucks and worms. Yeah. And so this isn't this, it, it, we both value exploring our hobbies and enjoying mm-hmm. our passions but mm-hmm. at the, you know, for most of our marriage, he could have a hobby and I couldn't because of this issue of finances. And yeah, now I, I, we've prayed, my daughter and I have prayed for three years that God would give us a place to enjoy horses and ride them for free, even if they were somebody else's horses. Yeah. And uh, just, you know, we're recording this in June, just two weeks ago, uh, we went out to my friend's farm and Caitlin and I are working with these horses and my husband and son are there fishing in the pond on the property. Mm. And I, I just st- stood in the middle of that round pen thinking, God, you do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ask. Or yeah. yeah. You would give us a place to enjoy our passion where I'm still honoring my husband yeah. and I have not had to compromise our values in order to make this happen. Mm-hmm. You heard, you saw you provided in ways mm-hmm. I could never have taken on for my myself. Mm-hmm. And he now gets all the glory for that because there was a point in which we laid it before him. Yeah. Oh, so such a good reminder. Yeah. Right. We identified what we feel is important and we laid it before God and said, enable us to live this out. Yeah. And, and he, in his timing for this particular season in, in our life has laid that out. Will it be this way forever and always? No, we're never guaranteed any of that. Yeah. But for this moment, I can say confidently, God hears, he sees, he mm-hmm. will accomplish when we yield it to him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. I know when we first started get when we first got married and I started to throw these birthday parties for the kids, 
I used to go over the top just because my, my background was in design and, um, in, in design and architecture. And here I am a stay at home mom. And now I have an opportunity to do something besides change diapers and nurse babies. And I would like go the extra mile and make these really creative things happen for birthday parties. And my husband used to give me the hardest time. Like he used to be like, why are you doing all that? You don't have to do all that. They're never going to remember this. And then, and then there was my mother-in-law who's like, we don't need to do this. Nah, nah, nah. And I'm like, I mean, I used to let it bother me and I yeah. used to get so frustrated because I'm like, creativity is important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, making, um, like celebrations and creativity and like going the extra step to make something beautiful so that someone can like enjoy it. And, and, you know, he's come around now. I mean, like he sees, we've had the discussion that creativity is really important to me and I want that to be a part of our family's mission statement. Um, and I think after many conversations and seeing me like enjoy what I'm passionate about, um, he's sort of been like, this isn't my thing. I certainly wouldn't do all this work. I certainly wouldn't go through all of this aggravation, but you do your thing. And so, um, yeah, like sometimes when your values aren't the same, you you have to learn how to sort of submit and just say, okay, like you run with this. And so I've been able, like just recently, my daughter's 16th birthday, I wanted to do like a great photo backdrop. And um, I found these old doors in the loft of our garage. And he's like, oh, they're so heavy. They're so this, they're so that. And I'm like, I can handle this. I called my neighbor. We brought him down. We set him up. I didn't ask him to be handy. He didn't have to (laughs) do anything that wasn't like his thing. And as long as I can just run with it, he's he's super supportive. And, um, but yeah, like working all that out. I mean, that's a beautiful example because a family value can be honored mm -hmm. without participation. Yeah. Oh, completely. Completely. Yeah. And that, that, that would be actually more your independent values mm-hmm. in the context of the family value. Yeah. He, yeah. he says, I honor you mm-hmm. and I'm not going to put my foot down and say no, mm-hmm. um, but you honored him by saying, you don't have to enjoy this just to make it yeah. my value. Yeah. And I won't make you pull down those heavy doors. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I think that's really. That's On a Saturday morning when you'd rather go for a bike ride. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Honoring each other. So I know you had a particular verse in uh, Proverbs 29 that you wanted Mm -hmm. to share with us. And and I love the context of it. So would you go ahead and read it? Because you have it in the NIV translation. My NLT isn't going to make any sense. And then, and then unpack that for us. Okay. All right. So um, in Proverbs 29, 18, it says, where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint, but blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. And now, so growing up, I learned this verse in the King James Version. And when I started to study this verse, the commentary that I looked at said that the King James Version used vision, the word vision, but what really should be said is no revelation. And what they, what they said this was referred to was the absence of a prophet to expound on the law, to teach, and, and to just um, essentially unpack the gospel um, for God's people. And when that was absent they threw off restraints. They followed other ways. Mm. Um, They did things that didn't please God. And so, um, well, I still think, uh, not that I'm smarter than the commentaries, I still think vision applies here in the sense that, um, you know, when we have something to get excited about, when we have something to get behind, when we have something that we're passionate about, when we have a vision, when we know what we want to be known for um, as a Christian or as a family, we, we can um, make really good choices. Mm-hmm. And we don't have that revelation and we don't have that vision and we don't ha- have an understanding of what it is that we value. Um, we're exposed to the outside, outside culture. We're exposed to um, the narrative that the world wants to give us. We're exposed um, to basically, um, as they put it in marketing, there's a narrative void. When us as parents aren't telling our children this is what we want to know be known for. This is what we value. This is what we believe. This is how we want to live. Mm-hmm. You're going to find other people, other cultures, other families, other, whatever it is, that's the outside influence, social media, um, to provide the narrative for them. Mm-hmm. And, and they're not going to, they're not going to live the life and make the choices that we would like for them to make because they don't know any better. 
And so I love how as a Christian, this applies to our life and um, being in the word, consistently being in community with other people that are studying the word and living by the word, being active in church. That is what provides and helps us cast our vision and have revelation Mm -hmm. so that we're not casting off restraints. We're not running wild. We're not out of control. We're not trying to live life in a way that doesn't please God and is ultimately empty because it's not going to provide any fruit in our life. Yes. And so, um, yeah, I really love that, like <clears throat> how God put these things into place. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> it, it, it makes sense to me. Um, the same verse is coming to me over and over again, as you were speaking, which is, uh, the passage from Romans 12, be transformed by the renewing of your mind or mm-hmm. let God change your thinking so that he may change your living. Mm-hmm. And, and so, this idea of us taking this pause and saying, how are we living? Mm-hmm. Like what, what do our actions reveal about what we, we say and don't say is important to us. Mm-hmm. And, and then does that asking the next question of does that action evidence of how we're living line up with what God says we should value? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because we're, we're inheriting values, I said this earlier, from our family of origin and our mm-hmm. experiences. We're inheriting values from our church culture and community. We're inheriting values from our, our relationship experiences that we've built upon over years. How is that manifesting every day in our life? And you know, when your values are in conflict, there is external conflict and there is internal conflict. And so anywhere that there's that... This, I'm just not happy with this. I just, this mm-hmm. just doesn't feel right. This, I feel like something is missing. And, and you described it when you mm-hmm. started to share your story that you were looking for direction. Mm-hmm. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Yeah. Uh, and for anyone who's in that place, I would say start with looking at your life through the lens of actions and see if you can identify a belief. Mm-hmm. as to why you do that thing mm-hmm. and then take that belief and see if you could find a biblical principle that supports that belief. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you can't, then that is one of those areas that needs to come under closer mm-hmm. evaluation. Yeah, absolutely. To, to, to live, to do this because you can do family culture and family values from a non-biblical perspective. Mm-hmm. It exists whether or not we choose for it to exist. Yeah. And as believers, if we're going to be transformed and impact this world with the kingdom hope that more to be is what we always talk about, mm-hmm. then we have to say, okay, this is my family culture. This is my personal culture, but, but this is why I feel God has compelled me in that direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it will look different you know, as I think about the spiritual gifts assessments, like I know that's something that you do when you work with your clients and, Mm -hmm. and that's a good place to maybe start is to do a spiritual gifts assessment and see where you fall Mm -hmm. uh, on the, on the spiritual giftings. I have, I'd pulled mine out recently because I wanted to, to talk with somebody about it. And like my, my top spiritual gift, and I had this done at uh, spiritualgiftstest.org, I think, um, is discernment followed by teaching followed by Mm -hmm. wisdom. Mm -hmm. But my husband is up in the area of serving and I am at a number seven for serving compared to another 35 for discernment. (laughs) So there's conflict. Yeah. There is conflict all the time in our relationship because he will jump to serve a need Mm -hmm. and I do you have, I have natural, no natural proclivity to it, mm-hmm. but yeah. I've learned to follow yeah, and, and, and respond to his leading in that direction. Whereas I will like, I will spend hours talking to Stephen about things that I discern within organizations or in relationships that have really stirred up my spirit. And I feel mm-hmm. like need an action taken on it. And he'll just look at me and be like, I, I don't even see it. I don't get it. But at this point, 
after years <laughs> together, he'd be like, I know this is your thing. Like this yeah. is your thing. Okay. So what can we do about it? Mm-hmm. And he will look for ways to serve me or serve in that situation as a result of what it is that I discern. Mm-hmm. And so those two pieces are our opposite spiritual giftings change the culture of our family or set up the culture of our mm-hmm. family mm-hmm. that it wouldn't exist someplace else. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Awesome. You go. No, <laughs> I was just going to say, you know, they, um, you know, culture is often referred to being like a fingerprint. It's like mm. it's every family has a unique fingerprint. Everyone has a unique culture. It's like the DNA and um, we all have different DNA. And so it's yeah. so unique to each of us. And, and, um, you know, one thing that I did learn very early on is that, um, in the book, uh, I think good to great, they talked about culture and he was saying that, um, it doesn't matter what the values are, but that you decide ahead of time what the values are, and then you pursue them consistently. Yes. And that's what builds a strong family culture. Yeah. So again, yeah. like our culture is going to be so uniquely different from our neighbors and from our friends and even from the people in our community group, our connect group, who we think we're like on the same page as our family culture is going to be radically different. And we're going to be following the same principles and the same values that God has. Yeah. Which, I mean, we could keep on going for hours yeah. and we probably need to wrap this up. But uh, when we were at the boarding school, we saw that all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, those of us who stayed for many years, many decades, uh, mm-hmm. believed in the mission of the school and mm-hmm. bought into the culture of the school. Mm-hmm. And then we were also believers. So we had this commonality of uh, mission-driven life mm-hmm. dictated by the school culture, Bible-driven life dictated by our, our you know, submission to Christ. Mm-hmm. But how that played out in our family choices were so different. Yeah. And the girls especially be like, I don't why she's allowed to watch that i don't know why she can do this i don't know why we can do that too and even last night they were retelling a story about how we made the kids din- dinner would start with the ringing of the bell at 6 15 and mm-hmm. then the signal that dinner was over and that the students could be dismissed was that the doors would open mm-hmm. and we made our children stay until the doors opened yeah but other families as soon as the kids were done with their meal, they were free to go play outside. And of course, our table was perched right next to the window so that our kids, could everybody playing outside and, and our children had to sit at the table, you know, and I look back and we laughed about this when we were talking about it. why did we make the decision that our kids were going to mm-hmm. stay until the door opened? Mm-hmm. And I why do you know? I don't know. I have no idea why we did that. Mm-hmm. And and if I only mm-hmm. listen to that part of the conversation of it's not fair that mm-hmm. we didn't get to go outside and play, here's the other side of the conversation. The hours of stories that they heard told in the, that last 10 minutes at the table, mm-hmm. the amount of relationships that they built with students by staying consistently yeah. in that last 10 minutes of the table in hindsight is priceless. Yeah. And if I turned and pushed back on them and said, well, what would you have missed if you left? Mm, That's good. They would have said, oh, so we didn't know why we did what we were doing. It was Mm -hmm. a gut. It wasn't Mm -hmm. a, it wasn't in judgment of of other people's decisions. It was, this felt right for us. Mm -hmm. And maybe to circle all the way back, people are more important than things. And we felt that them being present with the kids who were at our table was more important than 10 minutes of play outside with their peers. And, and, you know, somebody else could fairly sit there and say, I would have done it the opposite way. Yeah. And that would have been completely okay. Yeah. Uh, So I don't know. Interesting. Well, here's another, and this is a whole nother podcast topic is, um, you know, where we we have children that are raised in the same home and some will say, I remember that and I'm going to make sure my kids go out to play. And then that's what they institute in their family culture. Yeah. And some of your kids are going to say, that was really important. I'm so glad my mom and dad did that. And then they're going to institute that in their family culture. And so yeah. I think as our kids get older, it'll be interesting to see like what they keep and what they let go of yeah. and how they forge their own families. Um, but I do think to a certain degree that as they get older and as they start to look for, for life partners, there's going to be a certain level level of 
you're going to need to like be okay with my family's culture. Yeah. Know it. They're going to know that this is the standard that's set and that this is, this is the underpinnings of what I believe and how I do life. And so you need to be on board with that. There's, you know, which is really, this is really interesting because one of my daughters is in a new relationship and uh, he has been very intentional about wanting to spend time with us as a family Mm -hmm. and he's evaluating our family culture. And so we've heard feedback on our culture that we didn't even know existed. Like, wow, your house is really loud. (laughs) There are are people all over the place all the time and everybody's not in their own corner and and he, he likes that. And wow, you guys really talk deep about things. Like how could you sit around the pool and have these deep conversations Mm -hmm. and what else are you supposed to do when you sit around a pool? Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's sort of, this is the way we do it Mm -hmm. and for better or for worse, but you're right. So that blending of culture Mm -hmm. and how our kids will take away and move forward. It'll be entertaining. We'll have to do like Mm -hmm. another one of these episodes in 10 years from now. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Reevaluate like, so what stuck? What didn't stick? And yeah. And why? And why did it stick? And why didn't it stick? Yeah. Yeah. And are we okay with that? Yeah. We'll have to be okay with that. It'll be their choice, but yeah. Where will we be? So Kim, thanks so much for being with us today. Would you uh, feel comfortable praying us out? Sure. Yeah. All right. Um, Father God, I just thank you for this opportunity for us to um, just talk about values, talk about um, God, just that, that those beliefs and values that you placed upon our hearts and on the hearts of our family. I just pray, Father, um, for our listeners that as they start to identify their values and look at the why of what they believe, what they believe, Lord, that you would just impart in them wisdom and understanding and knowledge for themselves and for their families, Lord. Um, I just thank you for all that you're doing for more to be. And I pray, Father, that it would continue to impact others well. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Kim, for being here today. And thank you, everyone, for listening to the More To Be podcast. We are praying you've experienced a fresh encounter with God and His Word during your time with us today. If you'd like to show your support for the ministry of More To Be and our podcast, we'd love for you to become a More To Be Sisterhood Circle member. You'll be blessed with our signature courses and resources while being a blessing to others. To learn more, visit moretobe.com slash podcast for a special link. May you continue to think biblically and live transformed to be more like Jesus as you seek to join God in his work every day.